Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Our Heavenly Father, this is a special day, a unique day. Twelve times a year we have such a day, the first Sunday of every month. And Father, on this Sunday we focus upon the great sacrifice you sent your Son to make in this world. And the great sacrifice that he willingly came and made. And then, Father, you sent your Holy Spirit to open our minds and our hearts to be able to believe that such a thing happened so many years ago. And to believe that your word is true. And, Father, today as we open uh, just a small part of your word and talk about it, I pray that these words given by the Spirit of God might ready our hearts to just gather around the table of the Son of God and that we might bring honor to you, the Father who he served as he came. So bless this time. Open our minds and our hearts now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today then, as we prepare for this time of communion, I want to pick up upon, just briefly, an incredibly important conclusion drawn by the Apostle Peter that we examined last week. We're not going to push on through the book of Acts, but there's something from last week, just a thing that Peter said, a conclusion he drew, that he shared with others that that I think can really stir us and inform us and direct us. And last week we didn't actually talk about it much except just to say he drew this conclusion. It's today's key scripture. It's when Peter said in Acts chapter 11, verse 17, he says, Who was I to think that I could oppose God? Now, for sure, don't raise your hands. Have you ever thought that you could oppose God? See, I know the Bible says that, but I don't agree with that. I know I'm so... See, Peter came to the point of saying, look, that's way beyond me. I've come to know God. I've come to know the Son of God. I've come to be filled with the Spirit of God, and I'm in the midst of a situation where God is at work, and who am I to get in the way of that? I wouldn't even want to. Who was I to think that I could oppose God? Well, Peter, of course, was referring to the powerful invasion of the Holy Spirit into the home and the hearts of Cornelius and all the people who were gathered there as Peter was brought there to minister the word of God to them. Peter was blown away by what he saw. The Holy Spirit had come upon them just as he had upon the gathered believers on the day of Pentecost. Peter could not deny that this was indeed God's work, even though it was something that Peter would have never anticipated. And a part of him, you'd say, and never even desired. But it certainly was something he would never have anticipated. Gentiles being brought into the faith. 
Gentiles being forgiven of their sins. Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. Gentiles, yes, being born again. And so as Peter looked at that, as unexpected as it was, so outstanding and awesome it was, he recognized God was at work here. And so he said to his peers, back in the city of Jerusalem, in the church of Jerusalem, once he got back there, he said, as he told the story, who was I to think that I could oppose God? And that is to deny that this is the work of God. Deny that these people are being changed by God. Deny that these people are now brothers and sisters with mine in the faith, followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm suggesting this morning, as we prepare for communion, because that's always a time to examine our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our behaviors, all the things, so that we want to we come to Christ and, and receive that communion from him being as willing and proper and open and controlled by the Spirit as, as we can possibly be. That's just a, an examination. Look over where we're at as we prepare to meet with Christ. So my encouragement to you and to myself this morning is that that perspective of Peter's, who was I to think that I could oppose God, is a perspective that we might need to adopt pretty much every day of our lives. And the reason we might need to adopt or newly embrace that perspective almost every day of our lives is because we unfortunately oppose God regularly. Our fallen human nature just naturally opposes God. It opposes the things that God says and the things that God does and the things that God allows. We believers, of course, contend with the fleshly nature. It's still part of us. We contend with it every single day and frequently our Christian life gets intertwined with it. And sometimes we can be doing things we think are really Christian and they're actually being stimulated by some fallen fleshly attitude that that we're completely oblivious to. Our fleshly nature and our Christian life can become intertwined together. So with us Christians, the fallen human nature frequently focuses on our attention on the things, now think about this, on the things that God hasn't done. Things that we believe desperately need to be done and we feel should be done. And those things not being done can lead to disappointment and sorrow, even sometimes to doubt and disillusionment. Now, let me tell you, the devil cheers from the sidelines every time our opposition to God wins the day. And in one way or another, we say, what's wrong with God? Why didn't God? How come God? I, you know, and every time we begin to have a little bit of resistance or opposition to things as they are, and we maybe blame God even for those things, The devil just cheers because that's a fleshly response, not a spiritual response. It's an ignorant of the ways of God response rather than one who's informed of the ways of God 
response. So in a word, our humanness gets in the way of the productive work God would do in our midst and in our lives. Communion now provides an opportunity, a time for us to examine our lives and to discover any inner opposition to the way God is working. Any opposition to the way God is working that might be found within us. Let's allow communion to do that for us today. So in preparation, I want you to picture yourself, even as I picture myself, rising above my human limitations. Can you picture that? Just try to say, here's my human limitations. Here's the way the flesh troubles me. Here's the world gets ahead of me. Here's my inability to really think clearly the truths of God and obey the truths of God. But I'm just picturing myself rising above that. Up here, where I'm not limited anymore by my fallen human nature, but uh, I'm living the way Christ would have me live. Well, I want to share with you a little process this morning, kind of a scenario, kind of how we get into a bad spot and then how we can get out of that bad spot. It's a process that, that we might need to recognize and go through every single day of our lives. So here we go. The process begins every time we find ourselves reacting to an unfamiliar or undesirable circumstance. Here you could raise your hand. Anybody in the last 12 years, how about the last 12 days? Maybe the last 12 minutes. How many of you have encountered recently a situation that is unfamiliar and or undesirable? Okay, the rest of you can just pause and and wait to the next point. But here we go. When we react, when something comes into our lives that was unexpected... That doesn't mean it's bad, but it's still not familiar. It's not normal. So something unexpected, unfamiliar, undesirable comes. We say to ourselves, or we say to somebody else, this is not what I expected or would have chosen. It's here. This is not what I expected, and it's not what I would have chosen. It's one of those things. Those circumstances can arise multiple times every single day, it seems. For those of us in this room who are married, you could say your spouse brings those things into your life every single day. Something unexpected and something you wouldn't actually have desired, and there it is. It can be an unexpected or undesirable circumstance, as I say, at home, or at school, or at work, or in the doctor's office. And we react to it. It's not something we either expected or would have chosen. Now, when those things come up, as they do in all of our lives from time to time, and in some of our lives it seems like forever, frequently, we might feel shock. We might feel sorrow, we might feel resentment, or any of an innumerable other reactions. We all know how that goes. Our reaction is generally pretty automatic. We don't even have to think about, how am I going to react to this? We just react. And there it is. 
We react with disappointment, with sorrow, with shock, with resentment, along with many other possibilities. You see, when we do that as Christians, we are not actually opposing God per se. Something happened, and we're reacting negatively to it. We wouldn't have chosen it. We don't really want it. It was unexpected. And so there it is, and it's kind of messing up the system we have going, the nice flow of our lives. And we're not opposing God per se, though honestly we might be a bit disappointed in God that he allowed this to happen. I'm sure almost all of us can relate to that. However, our fallen human nature and the devil on the sidelines over there is not content to just lead us into a kind of mild disappointment with God. Disappointed because life has brought us something undesirable. And therefore, uh, because life has brought us something undesirable, there is more than mere disappointment that can be stirred within us. And it's in that next level of stirring that things get more serious, more troublesome. So we find ourselves frequently, in our next point here, rebelling in the face of that circumstance. And we say to ourselves something like this, I cannot and will not accept this. I will stand firmly against it. In fact, our fallen human nature, every human being's fallen human nature, always says, stand up for yourself. Fight for what's yours. Don't accept the undesirable thing. Take action. Now, here's the tricky thing. Here's where it gets sticky and tricky for us Christians. We generally do our fighting in a situation like that on our knees. That's where we fight against the things that are happening. That's where we fight against something undesirable to us. We tell God that this circumstance is unacceptable. We point out to God why it is unacceptable. And we, in a sense, usually tell him what we want him to do about it. And we go to war with the circumstance, recruiting our powerful ally to take care of this thing we did not expect, do not want, and are insistent we're not going to put up with. And so we envision. We envision at times like that that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And the truth of it is, while we think we're in a spiritual battle down there on our knees, complaining to God and telling God and appealing to God and all of these things about how we do not want what has happened, what we are really doing is being led and directed by our own fallen human impulses. We're living in a spirit of rebellion and we don't even know it. That rebellious spirit can, of course, lead to many other things. We can quit going to church. 
We can quit associating with other Christians. We can kind of give up on this thing that, you know, it's not what I thought it was going to be, or I thought God was going to treat me better than this, or I thought Christians had it easier than that. I don't understand. And we just really rail against the whole thing. Now we are rebelling against things as they are. Now that is what we need to learn to rise above. That's a human response. That's a fleshly response. That's a devil-encouraged response. And that's what we need to rise above. And in every one of us, certainly me included, there are parts of that regularly. It is a spiritual battle, but the spiritual battle is with the fallenness of our nature, not with the circumstances that God has messed up on. So we overcome these reactions by an application of God's truth. And this morning, just have time to share one truth, a particular truth our fallen human nature knows nothing about. It's a battle truth for Christians in unexpected, undesired circumstances. And we overcome, we rise above our normal human reactions, and thus above our, uh, or we rise above our normal human limitations, and therefore above our normal human reactions by, it says here, recognizing what is really going on? Unbelievers don't have a clue what's really going on. They just see what's going on. They, they just see their impressions of what's going on. They, they see surfacey things. This is what's happening. But a believer who actually has and is fortified by some truth that God has delivered to him or her through the word of God, they, at a time when the unexpected, the undesirable, maybe even the painful and the difficult take place, they need to recognize what is really going on here. And here it is. They need to recognize God's hand is in this. He is working out his purpose through this. That's a biblical truth, but that has to be a statement of faith. Because we can say, I don't see how that's happening. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, believing when we see it is not faith at all. Faith is believing something when we can't see it yet. God's hand is in this, this what? Horrible thing, unexpected thing, inconvenient thing, annoying thing. God's hand is in this. He's working out his purpose through this. Now, that's what spiritually sensitized believers say in such times. No matter what the circumstance is or how it has arisen. Spiritually sensitized believers in that way, have risen above just their natural fallen human limitations and are not giving their natural fallen human reactions to situation. Their reaction is, God's hand is in this. I don't know how, but God's hand's in everything. He's working out his purpose through this. That's what they say, and here's why a a Christian can say it. 
And they can say it confidently and trustingly. Romans 8.28, one of the great verses in the, in the New Testament. I hope all of you have that one underlined, either in your brain or in your text. It just says this, God works in all things. How many of them? All of them. Ever have a situation going on where you say, surely God has nothing to do with this. I'm just going to have to go to war on this one. I'm going to have to show those people. I'm going to have to tell those people. I'm going to have changed circumstances. This is just one of those broken human situations. It's disgusting. It's wrong. And I, somebody needs to take charge of this and just fix it. God works in all things. All things. Especially the things that most make us question him. God works in all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Every single believer in Jesus Christ is a believer in Jesus Christ because God has called him, has reached down through the power of the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to spiritual truth, to open their eyes to their own sinfulness, to open their eyes to the marvelous provision of the Savior Jesus that we're going to celebrate in just a moment. God, no one does that unless God has, has reached down and his spirit has done those things and they've heard the call of God, just like the disciples heard Jesus said, come, follow me. God works in all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. There is no born-again believer who has not been called according to the purposes of God. And that means God's purpose determines our best life. And in all things, God's at work for our good. So you see, though this world is broken and fallen... God is not. We can think things are so bad, things are so different from they used to be, things are so upside down, people in charge are so messed up. And they probably are. But God is not. God is not. This world is broken and fallen, but God is not. In every circumstance of life, especially the ones that are particularly trying and difficult, when we can fall, we can fall to our knees in the midst of all those times and praise God that he's at work in this. We don't praise God for it as a, a thing that's desirable, but we see that God is at work in it for our good and we can praise him for the fact that he's doing that that he's at work in it it may be in our life for the rest of our life it may be there temporarily it may be something that gets resolved and changed and and we are surprised by the way it worked out but the point of it is no matter how long it's there and no matter what it is we can praise God that he's not unaware of it and he's doing the same things in this that he's doing in everything else. He is working in this situation. And then we also know that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, Numa himself, is faithfully and purposefully walking us through it. That's a marvel. Realize that's what's going on. That's always what's going on. Unbelievers are just clueless about that. 
And so it's expected, it's understood why they respond the way they respond when things aren't the way they would like it to be. But we are not like that. Whether these are things the way we would like them to be or plan for them to be or we're surprised by the the challenges they present to us, the thing we know is God is neither surprised or handcuffed by it. He will work in it and through it to bring about what he calls good for us and the Spirit will not leave us in the midst of it. Now that's what we know and that can, that can modify the reaction that we might get that our old fleshly nature would want to just automatically give. So as a result of that, here's the last thing, we can find ourselves, here's my words, relaxing in the certainty of a good outcome. You know that good outcome might be walking through heaven's doors. That's a pretty good outcome. It doesn't say, oh God, if you're faithful here, God will give you the winning numbers in the lottery sooner or later. Keep buying them tickets. No, the good might be entering into the glorious presence of God in heaven itself and enjoying that presence forever. The certainty of a good outcome. But according to the scripture, even in all these situations that might be troublesome, difficult, heartbreaking even, there is some kind of a good that's coming right out of them in our life now. It may be the good that's called the greater trust. It may be the good that's called perseverance. It may be the greater good that builds stability within us. But something good in this life by God's standards will come out of it as well as the good that's at the end of this life. That should be a, well, the statement of a person like that says, I have nothing to fear and nothing to fix. Some of you on here need to repeat that to yourselves a lot. Some of us are more fearful by nature, say, I have nothing to fear here. God's hand is in this and and his spirit will bring me through it. Others of us out here need to say, and there's nothing for me to fix here. It's not a problem. I get to get to work and and solve it, change it, make sure the good triumphs and evil is... No, there's nothing for me to fix here and there's nothing for me to fear here. That should be a real stress reliever. The Apostle Paul, whom we'll see later on in our study of the book of Acts, we will see him suffer innumerable difficulties and hardships. Paul testified, Philippians 3.12, I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content in all situations. Now, let me tell you, I'm sure Paul would tell people honestly in his own day, being content does not, is not the same as being deliriously happy. (laughs) Oh man, I am just delighted. I've learned to be content. It does mean I'm at peace with it. I'm at peace with it. I have surrendered myself to the Lord's care and I'm living day by day in fellowship with and being sustained by his Holy Spirit. So therefore, we can come to the place of saying, I do embrace my life as it is. I embrace it. 
I'm content with it. God is working in it. God has brought me into it. God is walking me through it. God will take care of fulfilling his purposes and plans in me. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And I'm not giving any other kind of reactions like a, like a totally clueless unbeliever would have. To not even know there's such an almighty God who is, is behind the scenes doing all these things. And that we can belong to him and know him and be the beneficiaries of all those things he's doing. Even in the midst of things that most people would want to never come into their life. We can relax in the certainty of a good outcome. And so our final thought here, just as we head into this time of of looking at the Lord and recognizing what he's done for us and knowing that he died to provide a life for us in this life, it says, final thought, embracing. Embracing what God has either brought or permitted in our lives shows amazing maturity. And it does. It does. It shows one who is beginning to look at the world and look at the circumstances of the life through biblical eyes with a, with a consciousness of the Spirit and His leading and His power and God's grace and His wisdom and His planning and just say, I'm, I'm just flowing along through this world knowing that I'm not out of control but that God is in control of me, his spirit's enabling me, whatever comes along, he will be able to walk me into and through and I can embrace my life for it's the very one that God is using to make me the person he wants me to be. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for this truth in your word. We thank you that That you through your word communicate that you know all about our human condition. You know about our fallenness. You know about the, the fact that even though we're saved by the spirit of God. Even though we've been given new life through our faith in Jesus Christ. There is still a nature within us that has never changed. And never will change. It's that fallen nature that reacts and rebels and, and gets all messed up. So, Father, help us to, even now, to examine our hearts and and see if there's any sense of rebellion, any sense of uh, disappointment, any sense of uh, blaming of you. Father, help us to get understanding that the things that are taking place are all within your ability to transform and to use to further mature us as your children. Thank you for this word. Bless us. We yield ourselves to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.